also watched Alien Covenant. Do you want to get into that now? Sure. Um, what did you think? Just overall, we saw it on uh, Saturday, so a couple days ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has it has it uh, changed in any way since you saw it? No, I enjoy it. I think um, my issues, which we can get into later on, are more kind of structural and philosophical mm-hmm. than actual filmmaking. But uh, I, I think on the one, like what it has going for it is it is like a gorgeous looking film. Like, yeah, it, it does look great. Looks great. Yeah, I think that's the one thing you can always rely on Ridley mm-hmm. Scott for is yeah. that his movies will look great. Yeah, they may not be good, and they may be actually really stupid, <laughs> but they'll look good. Yeah, so I thought it looked. I thought it looked great. I thought again, it kind of holds up. It, it, I don't know. It kind of surprises me still that the alien, aliens in Alien, and mm-hmm. some of the other creatures that they kind of based off of the original Alien that they they show in this film. Mm-hmm are still some of the best monsters ever created. Mm -hmm. And that back in the right alien came out in seventies, late seventies. Yeah. I think like 79. Right. Like, can you think of another kind of memorable, like monster Mm -hmm. like that alien creature as originally designed is still one of the most kind of terrifying and well designed and created like creatures ever. Mm hmm. And uh, you know what? I took Elise to go see that movie Life a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. We we just had a chance to go see a movie and nothing was really out. <clears throat> Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. The monster in that is so terrible, man. Oh, it really? is like even now thinking back on it, it makes me so embarrassed for everybody involved. <laughs> it is the dumbest thing ever. It's the dumbest and even we were watching, we were trying to kind of like have a good time with it. Mm-hmm. And it is fun. The first, you know, kind of quarter of it's fun. But when you see that thing moving, it's comically like fast and mm-hmm. it's just, it looks terrible. And then you watch this movie and you're like, that is a well-designed alien. Right. Like, is it really that? I guess it is that hard to do. Yeah. Because so many people have done it wrong. So I think I'll always enjoy... It's, it's you know it's gonna look good and you know they've got a great creature that mm-hmm. they're fighting, uh, so it's kind of hard to just come up with something that's overtly terrible. Yeah, it's not terrible. It was enjoyable. Yeah, have you read anything interesting about it? I mean, I guess I think the one knock I would have about it is that it is kind of like uh, it doesn't sort of engender any sort of like enthusiasm <laughs> from me. It's just kind of like, it's like a good yeah. solid, solid good movie. Like yeah. That's pretty much it. Doesn't, it doesn't go any further than that for me, but yeah. it was good. I liked it. So, I mean, it, the one thing that I kept going back to is the framework of this film. Like it opens with Guy Pierce and, uh, his creation, David, um, what am I forgetting? It's, Michael Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of musing on the relationship of creator and created. Right. And they're having this kind of coded discussion. And not so coded. It it is kind of overt. Where David is considering himself as being 
the created thing of an organic being that will die. Right. And not only that will die, but has flaws. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could see that as soon as David kind of calls out Guy Pierce's mortality, Guy Pierce makes him hand him right. tea that it, is exactly that's gonna say, and is also sort of forcing some sort of control over him. Exactly. Like he has to, you know, exert that control. Yeah. And that's sign of a character flaw. And so here we have this flawed, organic, you know, kind of uh um finite being creating something that is he says a few times is perfect. Like David, you're perfect. Right. So this imperfect being creates something perfect. Well, what is the responsibility and what is the relationship of that? And does the creator have the right to do with the creation wherever it wants, if it really did make potentially a creation that's better than itself, you know? The film never explores those things. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. Like, it does such a good job of, like, having all of these themes in the movie and not, like, beating you over the head with it. (laughs) Right. But it explores it, like, exactly 0%. Yeah. It somehow walks this weird line of, like, being, like, like, you're so... It's, like, easy to recognize the themes of the movie without being, like, overwhelmed by them or feel like it's being pushy. But walking out of it, I had absolutely no, like, <laughs> desire to look at them any further than what the movie had just given me. You know what I mean? It just was, like, all right, that was a solid movie. It, you know what I mean? <laughs> it kind of, for me, it... <clears throat> and that is, like, a 10-minute scene. I mean, Ridley Scott is really kind of, like laying it on thick on this stuff. Right. And then it all becomes kind of background. And there's one other scene where David meets Walter, who's a later iteration Mm -hmm. of himself. And he's trying to get Walter to go outside of his programming. And Walter is not really able to do it, which again, as a structured scene was amazing. The way it was shot was amazing. Mm -hmm. I still don't know how they did that because you kind of see right fastbender interact that with themselves oh I, I i don't know maybe it's just because of how much attention uh, maybe it's because like hating on like hollywood sort of like patting its own back has become my thing all right but that scene was a little bit too showy. much for me because yeah because it's like okay we know that we've got a scene where these two act where this guy is playing himself basically right yeah. and now we're going to pan and tilt the camera back and forth for 10 minutes well and so now and so then but then like in the scene so then i'm thinking like now i'm thinking like well how are they doing this because it does it so much yeah right it's not just like a simple like i i like it better when i'm a day removed and i see an article or a story on reddit that's like this is how they shot that scene in alien and then I'm thinking back in my brain. I'm like, oh my gosh, I I didn't even pick up on that. Like that's how subtle it was. Yeah. This that scene. I mean, it doesn't like. It's not terrible, but mm-hmm. it is. It is the opposite of subtle. No, it is. And and you have like Michael Fassbender doing the fingering on a pipe, right? On a flute, <laughs> right. while he's blowing in. <laughs> right. And you have this kind of like, what's the most showy way we can do right. this? Like, yeah. we will have one doing one piece of an instrument. Yeah. And the other doing the other piece of the instrument, it it is not subtle at all. Yeah, and uh, and I think that also speaks to Ridley Scott's sensibility. But 
you basically have the 10 minute opening. You don't have those ideas really touched on at all until they play the flute together, which is more about look at what we can do with this scene than even about the ideas. And then you have one line at the very end where um, <clears throat> David asks Walter if he wants to serve in heaven or rule in hell. Right in hell, yeah. You know, because basically the creations he's making are practically demonic. Yeah. I mean, they they destroy. They are perfect in their ability to like kill. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, David gets to be their creator. Um, and that line stuck with me. I was like, oh, that is, again, that's kind of what we're addressing here. Mm -hmm. Like how valuable is it for you to be, have power and control over something created, you know? And what does that have to do to validate your own kind of feelings of power, pride or control? Mm -hmm. Um, because you do have that scene where an alien kills a human and then gets shot and David is horrified at the murdering of his own creation and could care less about the woman, uh, which you, you said too. He also goes back to this head floating right. in the water. Right. Like they get look. a lot of mileage. Oh man. He, he loves it. And listen, it is a really great <laughs> right. visual, but yeah, he goes back to her head floating in water. Yeah, it's in there like four or five, four times. or five times. I kept waiting for Like, is she going to blink? Like what's, right. what's going to happen? It's- um, but yeah, you don't, you, you have that at the end and like, that's, that's it basically. Yeah. So, I mean, part of me is like, is there a third movie coming? That's going to really lay into this creator creation thing or was that it again? Like, yeah. was that just to facilitate like the set pieces, which again are good. You have the back burst, which was right. co- like gross and crazy yeah. and awesome. You have the mouth burst, which, you know, he finds a way to one up and you have a chest burst. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have these, you, you even get a through the glass sex in the shower burst. burst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Ridley Scott really goes into it. And that was all, that was all fun. Like that was all yeah. great. But again, f- shrouded in this kind of play me, play me Wagner. And let me talk yeah. about, uh, what it feels like to be a creator that you're just kind of like, that's a little hollow. Yeah. You know? And that, that is what I have read is people who are basically saying like, this is not an alien movie. Like alien is basically just a creature feature. Yeah. Stuck on a, on a small, uh, spacecraft. And then aliens is just a blockbuster. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I would say what is an alien movie because alien one and aliens are so different. And then alien three is completely different from those two. And then alien four is terrible depending on who you talk to. Is that one resurrection or is resurrection? I think that's resurrection, right? That's the, that's the one that's directed by the guy that directed Amelie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I remember liking it as a kid, but I know that now people will say that it's terrible, so yeah. I don't know. But, and then you have Prometheus. And for me, I guess that brings me to my next question. Prometheus, I enjoyed mm-hmm. basically the same way that I enjoyed this movie. Exactly the same It just is like way. a fun movie to watch in the mm-hmm. theaters, right? But the biggest problem with Prometheus and, and one that I'll acknowledge but just didn't bother me was just like how stupid the characters were and like how 
like the dumb the decisions they're making were mm-hmm. and they more or less eliminated that in this movie and i think the answer to this is going to depend on how you view ridley scott and we've talked about it a little bit before but i think it also plays into the question of like uh are they leading up to a third movie or is this all building up to is there like an answer to this are they actually trying to say something but it's like there's really only one moment in this movie where it's like a character does something really dumb and it's like so dumb <laughs> that the people in our movie were groaning yeah right? there were people who were just like audibly like yeah. making noise at how dumb this decision was <clears throat> and you defended it a little bit sort of on a like a idealistic uh-huh. uh, plane, right? Right. And I just thought like on a guttural, like this guy walks up to this egg, right? This alien egg. For, and he touches it, first of all, which is like, there's no way. And it opens. And it opens. It's, and then he looks in it. It's like, come on. Like, I'm just not doing that. Like, I don't care who you are in that situation. I'm not touching it, A, period. If I do touch it and it opens up, I'm not going to then like just like plug my head into it like a dummy. And wait for a thing to jump on me. You know what I mean? Just like on like a in my guts level. Right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Yeah. But you have a defense for it. Yeah. Theologically, I guess. Right. Yeah. Philosophically, I should yeah. say. So that character who does that very dumb thing is also like maybe the only character of outspoken faith. Right. Yeah. He says it in very at very weird times that sure. he'll just blurt out kind of like, I'm a man of faith and no one respects well, you me. You know, I didn't think the first one was weird because yeah. he was having a conversation with his right, wife. Right. But after that, it the them playing into it was a little it felt a little it felt as unnatural as a character saying, I've never heard my wife sound like that before. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in a crew or you're familiar with everybody, you're not going to say my wife. My wife is something you say to let, because you're thinking about people who are hearing this, who are unfamiliar with your relationship yep. status. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it's a, a slight thing, but it is slightly unnatural. Yeah. So he's the, he's the most outspoken kind of character of faith. And in this film, what, what I kind of took away from it is that uh, he is seeking answers. He would be somebody who might be most kind of taken with this promise of, let me show you, let me answer a fundamental question of creation, you know? And, um, And that's what I kind of saw him falling prey to in that moment where faith will make you do illogical things. That's the nature of faith. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your faith can, you know, overrule, which is the argument of a lot of scientists is that overrules your quote unquote rational brain. So your rational brain says like, Hey, there's no such thing as like, you know, faith healing. Mm-hmm. And then you get cancer and you find yourself going to a faith healer and being mm-hmm. like, you got anything for me? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, they don't. They're, you're going to, you're just going to have a you're worse time. You're going to have it. a miserable death. Basically. Yeah. You're, yeah. You know, and, and 
it it prevents you from you know kind of coming to terms with stuff and results in things like that so you know i think you could almost make the case that prometheus in this film are kind of ridley scott's commentary on the stupidity of humanity and it kind of goes back to what we talked about before the fermi paradox which this american life just did an episode on did you see that oh really no, yeah i, I don't and they kind of summarized it this way where they were like, you know, one of the theories of why we haven't heard from anything is intelligent life is either self-destructive or outwardly, you know, destructive. So intelligent life has a tendency to want to kill itself, you know? It'll just like kind of progress itself into a point of elimination. And I think that that you can make an argument that's kind of what Scott is proposing with these two films, Mm -hmm. that we are just too self-destructive as a species to, you know, kind of build on the revelations that we get about our creator. We're we're just going to bungle it. You know, Mm -hmm. we're just going to make the worst of it. And even if we had answers to some big questions, like, and that kind of goes to the leftovers, which I'm currently watching, which you're, you're not watching anymore, but you know, you can't count on kind of supernatural answers being provided people or supernatural mysteries that speak to something more being translated rationally through the human mind that people would take something like, Oh, here is our, you know, the things that created us or, uh, or there are things that created us or in the leftovers, here's a mysterious departure that speaks to something and we would be constructive with that information. We might actually just self-destruct with it, you mm-hmm. know? So that's kind of what I saw happening in that scene. Yeah. I, I think it, and like I said, I think it works for the movie, I guess. I just have a hard time. And I, and this is, this is uh, like, I was, like I was said earlier, it's, it's a, a hypocritical stance because I am of the firm belief that you have to separate the creator's intention mm-hmm. from the end result, right? Right. At the same time, I can't hear that explanation and not think, yeah, but Ridley Scott is kind of dumb, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't really think Ridley Scott had that intention in mind, right? Like, this is the guy who made a movie with a, you know, 80 pound over, over 80 pound overweight Russell Crowe living in like a mansion, right? Whatever that movie was. Like, I don't think he's that invested in his movies, right? I think he's able to like make them look great. He has a great eye for the camera, whatever you want to call it. Great cinematography. But I, I think all of his movies probably lack in like a deep, meaning or any sort of message like like you said before it's this is the guy who it took months to come up with the solution of like putting a dead character in heaven right he's like (laughs) like it took him months to think of he realized in gladiator (laughs) that russell crowe had to die but he was stumped with how do you make the death of your main character a positive and that like truly stumped him until somebody like after months, if you watch the bonus features, was like, yeah. what about heaven? And he was like, oh, that's right. how it could be positive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Um, there was something else with the movie that I wanted to talk about, but now I can't. Can, can I bring up the one thing that I, I understand why he did it, but that did bother me. Yeah. Is not resolving Walter. Yeah. What, like stuff oh, like that. Okay. That does play into what I want to talk about. Okay. okay. Stuff like that bothers me where you have Walter who makes a comeback, which was done really, really well. I like yeah. the, like the Walter David fight. I liked that he apparently can regenerate himself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then to have the final reveal be that he's smashing David's head. David's reaching for a knife. So you kind of know how he, he apparently gets the knife and probably decapitates David mm-hmm. is what, or, or Walter is what I'm thinking. But to not have, to end with like, oh, Walter got the upper hand, you know? And mm-hmm. then to think that in all that quick time that David would have to chop his hand off. And, right. Ali, and, and I was wondering about the, about the chin thing. Because he got stabbed in the chin. Oh, right. And I was like looking for that. Um, I didn't see that. I thought at one point I thought we saw his chin. I didn't see like the hole. Even, yeah, I didn't. Even and I was like, oh, it is Walter. But it wasn't. And right. so I don't know. I just feel like in that instance, I understand why I did. It did feel a little cheap though to not to to cut in the way he did. Well, I think the classic example, and this again plays into my thoughts, my feelings about Ridley Scott. It it the classic example is No Country for Old Men right? Where Llewellyn dies and we don't see it. Love but, it. Right. In that movie, it's done for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think as a viewer, you know that it's done for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it feels like it's done just as almost like a boilerplate, right? It just feels like it's a part of a, like a Mad Libs that somebody handed him for alien, for like a, for like a confrontation scene, right? Yeah. It just is like, it, it it just feels like very by the book. Yeah, I, I would have rather had it make it so that Walter doesn't have the upper hand. Like that that to me, I think is what tipped the scale. Like mm-hmm. you could have them fighting, and yeah. then just cut from them fighting, and then one of them emerges, and you're like, oh, who is it? Right. But to have Walter be so in control of the situation, yeah, and then somehow so quickly lose it. Uh, was a little, but I think that plays into the whole reason that it's done, and that is the mystery of who is the synthetic at the end of the movie. Oh for, no, no, because I, like I know. for the whole last, yeah, ten or twenty minutes, you're left to to think to try and you know reconcile who the synthetic is. Right, I, I and I know that's why it's done, and right. he had to do it that way. Yeah, I'm just saying maybe have it where they're like. They're still equally fighting and then cut as opposed to like in wrestling where you literally have the guy on the mat and then you want to walk around and like prance around. And in the background, the guy's like getting up and people are like like his Ric Flair strut. Yeah. And you're doing your Ric Flair strut, right? Like that's that it had that feeling to me where you just have like Walter just pounding the crap out of David. Mm hmm. And then somehow David gets the upper hand and right. whatever, where it's like, maybe don't have him do the Ric Flair strut. Just have them like battling. I get, I get why you did it. You didn't have to right. tip your hand so far back. 
Oh, and Walter was one blow away. So of course it had to be him, right, guys? Like, yeah, he he had to do it, but not <clears throat> not with that setup. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about the actual that actual reveal, um, because at one point you leaned over to me and was like, "That's David, right?" And when you asked me, I was. I would say I was genuinely conflicted and not knowing, but I will say literally as soon as it cut away and you see the synthetic again, my first thought was that's David. Of course that's David. There's no way it's not David, right? Like that's the twist. And, but, but I do think even though we've like spent the last five minutes ragging on it, I think they did a good job of keeping it a mystery all the way until the end. And, and so much so that when you asked me that, even though I was completely certain for 99% of the time that that is David, when you asked me, I was going like, maybe it's not, <laughs> right? Maybe that's just your contrarian nature flaring up. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But when you asked me, I was kind of like, but I, but I do think they did, they did, they did a good job of like showing him like smirking or whatever. And like, they just did, I, I feel like he did do a good job of being like muddying the waters a little bit. Did you, but did you think oh, totally. it was David the whole time or? No. Yeah. And listen, yeah, I did. But, but I also, I think that it goes back to Ridley Scott's craft is good enough that he can, he knows how to make a good film. Yeah. Like he knows how to make a good set piece. That's the other thing. The action in this movie is really good, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, it made me just want to see more of his action sensibilities, you know, rather than his drama. I, I could do less with the Russell Crowe. I just want to drink wine and right. just film me. We'll figure it out. Right. Uh, because he, he has such a great eye for set pieces. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that whole, the whole execution is great. Like, yeah, the whole final execution also just the visual of him like coughing up the eggs from deep in his, mm-hmm. you know, throat mm-hmm. was gr- great. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the way that it was acted, the way that he really briefly furrows his brows for the cabin, you know, and she's like, you're going to help me build the cabin. Like mm-hmm. it's so subtle. It's done so well. Yeah. So no, yeah. The, the, the craft is impeccable. I just, I don't know where the breakdown is from, Okay, Ridley, I got this 10-minute opening monologue about cre- creator, creature, all this kind of power dynamics. Uh, and then we're just going to blow people's heads up and stuff for the rest right. of the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, where, where's the breakdown of, like, maybe, maybe commit more to that first idea and elevate the rest of the right. material? Because you start really high kind of philosophically, and then you just... Give me an enjoyable film. Right. You know? So. Right. Less uh, alien tail in the cootie cat and more, uh, <laughs> more <laughs> philosophical Very exploring. true. I could get on board with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was trying to think of what, what's the analogous. Like, it is kind of, um, it's the same charge as leveled against Danny Boyle, basically. Like yeah. People say that Danny Boyle is just two cop in genre. Like Sunshine is maybe the equivalent that I think about when I think about Alien Covenant. I kind of equate that to Sunshine. 
where sunshine is really kind of hard sci-fi in, in its philosophical reach mm-hmm. and then ends in a creature feature, right. you know, and people had a, I don't have a problem with the shift that, that sunshine does, but a lot of people do. And yeah. it's, I didn't, I didn't care for it. The, the whole movie of sunshine, the shift. Okay. I like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The movie the ending great. loses me a little bit. Um, do you want to rank the alien movies? Yes. This is something that I don't like to do just because I feel like in order to do this honestly, I feel like I would have to have watched every single alien movie. Back I feel to that back. way too. I feel that way too. Because but- like I haven't seen Alien 3 for probably over a decade. Same thing with Alien Resurrection. Justin, this is a podcast. Even longer, right? We we we, we got to play the game. So right. I'm we going to go uh, Alien. Aliens. I haven't seen any of these movies for probably over 10 <laughs> years. Alien. Aliens. Alien Covenant. Alien three Prometheus resurrection, right? Yeah. I had to pull the, the other weird thing is that the two worst films in this series are done by like two of my favorite filmmakers, like alien three with, by David Fincher. Right. I love David Fincher. Uh, Yeah. I think the only wiggle room is probably alien three and covenant and Maybe the only reason I'm putting Covenant first is because I haven't seen Alien 3 since I watched it for the first time. Yeah. But I remember liking it when I watched it, even though it was like at the time, it was like people didn't like it, right? Yeah. You know what always got me about Alien 3, and I'm being dead serious, is the title. The way they made the three almost like a square root. Like it's just like a very small (laughs) number. Like that drove me crazy always. Like what is that? So yeah, I, I would say like have some confidence in yourself. Yeah, exactly. I would say Alien is the number one. Of course, one. Alien is like a class. Alien is probably in my like top ten. <laughs> yeah, that movie is uh, awesome. That again, because I think it it does a creature feature, but it also manages to introduce these kind of high ideals of the robots, mm-hmm. like and their motivations. Right. Like, it's great. I think Alien and The Thing are probably my top like favorite scary yeah. movies of all time. Yep, I agree. Like Alien. just maybe movies of all time. Those movies are so good. Yeah. Aliens. Um Alien Covenant. Prometheus. Alien 3 Resurrection. Same Same, right? No, I have 3 before Prometheus. But like I said, I haven't seen 3 in a long time. Yeah, watch 3 again. I think you'll I think you'll get bumped out. Maybe. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up our alien talk, unless there's anything else you had to say about it. There's no, that, that's the other thing. There's no like controversy around it. There's no like hot takes or like. No, people like, like Michael Fassbender is really good. Some, some people hate uh, Covenant just because it's not a quote alien movie. We kind of talked about that. <laughs>